This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. You know that moment you meet somebody, often for the first time, and, and they just knock your socks off? Like they blow your doors off, like they're an absolute force of nature and they they sort of bring this energy to the interaction that you can't ignore. In this episode of the best of Real Talk, we bring you conversations with three of those exact types of people headlined by Sean Canungo. He's an internationally sought presenter. He's the author of a new book, The Bold Ones, and he blew us away with his recent presentation right here on Real Talk. Final live guest of our 2022 calendar year here in studio. And it was this tweet, quote, I keep thinking how we are more interconnected than ever before yet we have never misunderstood each other more. That from Sean Canungo, a globally recognized innovation strategist for more than a decade. He worked at Deloitte, working with leaders to better plan for opportunities associated with disruptive innovation. Forbes has called him one of the best virtual keynote speakers they've ever seen. His content on innovation through his fantastic YouTube page has garnered millions of views, and he's just released a best-selling book, The Bold Ones, with McGraw-Hill, unpacking the DNA of disruptors. So cool to have Sean Canungo with us in studio welcome hey it's such a pleasure to be here what an honor being the last person of the calendar year and i thought to myself listen it's minus 45 outside literally and christmas is around the corner i thought what a great time what a great opportunity to uh to celebrate a little bit so guess what i brought Oh, the, the Canadian, <laughs> the, the, the Canadian drink of choice during Christmas is Bailey's. And I'm going to pour a little bit from for you and oh. John. And we're going to enjoy this. We're John, gonna, are you down? We, are you into this? And while I pour <laughs> this, I'll, I'll drink yeah, gasoline. While I pour this. <laughs> listen, it's so cold. While, while I pour this, this bad boy for you. Oh, wow. um, um, I just want to say I'm going to pour some for you, too, John. Um. Ryan, tell me, wait, what are you grateful for this Christmas? Well, I'm going to get some. Uh, oh, my goodness. Look at this. He's, he's getting up. This guy is a veteran. First of all, John, you understand why I was here at five o'clock crushing coffees, because I knew that we were going to have to have the energy to keep up with Sean Canungo this morning. Right. Like this guy just I like this guy. This, this, this is the guy that like I feel like, Sean, you're the, you're the guy that like when the airplane comes in for the landing and then the tires first hit the tarmac and it's just like whammo. It's like, let's go. That's what it's like to talk to you. What am I grateful for this holiday? season yes i'm grateful that we have a happy healthy six-month-old baby boy uh there is a a seven-year window between our two uh absolute blessings wyatt and noah and while i'm grateful for my entire family obviously i can say two things Uh, on the opposite sides the bookends will be a six-month-old and a 73-year-old so so little noah is blowing our mind and we're thrilled to have him and my dad i want to say this and i think he might be watching right now um my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's several years ago mm-hmm. and and, and uh, a devastating diagnosis for anybody whose family's been through it. And I'm really grateful. We spent some time with him a while back and I looked over and my dad was talking to his older brother and he was holding a glass of wine w- without a tremor. And uh, and sure, there are worse days than others, but I am so 
I mean, if it sounds like a weird word to use, but post-diagnosis, I'm so thrilled that that knock on wood, it, it appears to be one of those things where like it's a classic could be worse situation. So off the top of my head, love it without knowing you were going to ask me that. Those are the two things I'm grateful for. What about you, John? Come on. Me? Uh, I'm grateful for uh, this show that I was explaining my story uh, to Sean when I got here. It's, you know, from DJ to radio guy to producing commercials behind the scenes on radio and then learning video and event production. And then all those roads kind of, isn't that how life is, Ryan? They all kind of intersect and then... Yeah, an you old and me friend work, of mine gives me a call one day and says, hey. You and me working at the Oilers for many yeah. years together with no, uh, you know, Johnny and I worked together for yeah. a long time. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'd be down on the ice being a clown, and uh, and I'd be like, and that's the end of this promotion. Then I'd say, T-shirt. I'd go up to you, infamous, yeah. and then Johnny would hit it with the big tune. And, but, but so I'm, We I'm, had no idea. Yeah, so I'm grateful for, for learning new things. Like, I never believed in fate and kind of, you know, destiny before, and now I, I think in the last eight, six, six eight months here, I've kind of come into that fold and also of course my beautiful wife Jatinder and our, our lovely little dog Priscilla who they said would not survive was a runt of a litter yeah and she, basically we said hey can we come get this dog they're like you can but it's you know so it's what sickly and it's still here so miracles happen destiny's awesome and uh happy new year guys. amazing happy, Johnny listen <laughs> on on that note I just we got we got some alcohol in our cups I just want to make a toast because what you guys have been doing over the last year, growing this this show, um, you have been the uh, the 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 cornerstone of media in Edmonton and 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 beyond, and you've been producing some unbelievable content. So, um, on behalf of all the real talkers out there, I wanna I wanna thank you. So wow, man, cheers, well, here, thank here, you here, very here. Much. That's very all kind right. of you to say cheers, Johnny. Cheers. Now, of course, you're not um, you know you 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 swap rolls with host very quickly when you take command <laughs> of a show but i cannot let it pass without asking you what you're grateful for this holiday season well you know i actually am grateful for uh the fact that we are expanding our family we're, we're having a our third kid in february and everyone is healthy and happy and it's just been an unbelievable year for myself i have another baby which is this book the yeah. Bold ones that's come out and to be honest with you it's my first book my debut book and i I had no idea about the publishing industry. I didn't know how it worked. And it's just been unbelievable to see people grab the book, you know, all around North America, around the world, sharing the book, sharing the insights. And I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm literally every single day, I'm just grateful for that. Uh, the, the idea that people are reading this and consuming it and, and loving it. So okay, so I want to I want to I want to talk to you about that. We'll get into the yeah. book and let people know that, uh, especially now that there's Bailey's in the mugs, that this is going to be I, I said to you before, you're the you're the last guest of 2020. I mean, we've got a couple special guests on the Patreon special tomorrow, right. but but you're the last in studio, you're the final guest. You're going to send us into the holiday season um, and I said so why don't we take like a relaxed conversational approach to this why, why don't we kind of chill out and so we'll take our time and find some different angles were you always like this <laughs> were you were, when you were in grade three in grade five and grade nine and grade three, like were you always the guy that was like what's up and it's a great day to be alive and people are like fucking Sean I'm, <laughs> I'm dragging my feet today I'm not it's minus 45 I don't want to be here and you were always finding silver linings was that always you I think just I you know for me it was just in pockets um you know being with certain groups of friends you know certain groups of friends would really um get that 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 humor and that energy out of me and, and certain groups I would be a little bit more quiet so I knew my role but um, I think I found my voice in in high school I was 
in a group of geeks and I said, listen, somebody's got to stand out here. So, um, so that, you know, that's, I think where I found my voice and just working in the business world, just differentiate yourself. Actually, you know, being from Edmonton, I always felt that you needed to stand out. You needed to be bold. And, um, I just wanted to be my authentic self, which is somebody with energy and mm. passion and, and, you know, charisma and being able to share that with the world is, is something that has differentiated me. And, and I've, and I, I'm grateful for that. So the, for the kids right now that are like wearing braces and wearing glasses and I'll, I'm wearing glasses right now and I wore braces. I don't know about you. Your teeth are perfect. John and I, by the way, are going to ask you for grooming <laughs> tips later. We skin promise routine. we want to know, we we know, know, know skin routine. routine. We want to know the hair product you use. Um, but but that, that group of geeks, your friend, the group of geeks, are, are they all like executive directors and CEOs right now? They, well, they, you know, they, they've done very well for yeah. themselves and That's they take the very traditional routes. And, <laughs> oh, is that uh, right? Doctors and lawyers? You know, I have a lot of East Indians. That's When you're South Asian, you have a lot of doctors <laughs> And lawyers and uh, accountants. This is so. what Sapria Devetti tells us. Yes. Her, her parents were devastated when she said she was going into broadcasting and not law. But we, yeah, we've had some fun with it. So let's get back to this tweet. Yes, uh, because this this actually did. I mean, it, it took it accomplished what I think you were probably hoping it would accomplish. It prompted me to stop scrolling and to take pause when you tweeted. I keep thinking how we're more interconnected than ever before. That's undeniable. Yet we have never misunderstood each other more. Which is certainly at least the way it feels. Right. Why do you think that's the case? I I think there's a couple reasons. Number one is that because of the abundance of digital and technology, um, we actually don't have to see each other in person anymore. We, you know, we tap touch us on our food deliveries. We don't have to interact with the person that made the food or deliver the food. We have boxes thrown at our door all day long, especially during Christmas. We don't have to interact with a soul to get it. We, we, we tap likes and hearts on people that we've never even met. But God forbid someone like calls us on the telephone. Like we don't even have to leave our house, to be honest with you. Um, and that's isolated ourselves. So that's number one. I think the second thing is that because of the abundance of information, the abundance of news out there, that um, actually we become more in our own rabbit holes. We're all in our own little bubbles. I mean, even, you know, uh, you know, us who are supposed to be in front of all these different uh, stories and, and, and industries, we still fall in our own bubbles. And because of that, because of the fact that everyone's in their own rabbit hole, um, we're not able to see everyone else's perspectives. We're mm. not able to understand everyone else. And so th I think that's the challenge that we have today. I don't know if you feel that. Well, man, I mean, everything you're saying is landing with me for sure. I'm, I'm also keeping an eye on the live chat because I know that, that this is going to be uh, <laughs> you're lighting a fire under people, which is great, including Tony's who's currently looking for her bottle of Bailey's. But but I, I digress. Um, this is, uh, you know, for Kimberly, for example, says this has been a really hard year uh, to find the blessing, says Kimberly, says mm. found out this week that another friend lost his battle with mental health. I'm, Kimberly, we're so sorry to hear that. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I gosh, I don't know if I want to share this. I think I will. It's real talk. I mean, I woke up this morning. I know you're not supposed to check your phone right away, but I do. Um, and and uh, a friend of mine um, divulged that uh, that she had a. Uh, I want to let people know that she had a, a failed suicide attempt this week. Wow! Uh, and she decided to share it. And um, and uh, she's failed feels like a weird word to use. Um, uh, but uh, we're so grateful that she's here with us. She she had this long post. She said this is gonna be my last post for a while. But she she she's writing to her family, but she's writing it publicly. Uh, and and she's grateful. She's still here. And uh, I mean, I, we see these things all around us. And and again, like I typed a response 
you, you type a response. Uh, we love you. You have our full support. You're showing great courage, these types of things. But but still, like when you say we don't talk on the phone, when my phone rings, unless it's a family member, but when my phone rings, I go, John's heard it before. I go, come on. <laughs> like if somebody calls me, I go, come on. Like I don't want the phone calls. And and I find myself, and, and, and as you're laying it out and as you're spelling it out, I'm realizing that I do, and, and I'm a very social person. I mean, I host events for a living, but like, being around people, I find that I do less and less. I withdraw. I pull myself back. You see that trend big picture. You see that as a macro trend. Well, absolutely. I think people, we, we're isolating each other and isolating ourselves from everyone else more than ever before because of digital. And I'm a digital guy. Like, I'm a technology guy. Uh-huh. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, because, listen, I'm not a, a mental health expert, but I think we can correlate the, the rise in digital with mental health issues and i think for 2023 the best thing that we can do for ourselves listen the pandemic i don't know what state we're in the pandemic i never want to say it's over but the best thing that we can do in 2023 is to share bread with each other yeah to actually converse to have real talk to have real conversations with each other that's the only way that we can understand each other that's Mm. the only way that we can sit there and share our opinions and perspectives um and so we we just need to do that more yeah we were at a christmas concert last night at our little guy's elementary school and and uh you know it's like all these parents gathering and it was my first time our little guys in grade two it was their first christmas concert in three years there's kids there in grade three it was their first christmas concert and like the principal's wearing a mask and some parents are wearing a mask and some aren't and we don't need to get into that necessarily we can if you want but but to me it was like the principal behind his mask even said he said isn't this wonderful that for the first time in three years we're all together and and i'm thinking of all those movie scenes right of the proud parents with like the the big video cameras and the big long lenses and and celebrating their kids and just the, the the vibe and the feeling you look around and you recognize not everybody's at the same place there are some people that still aren't gathering in groups there are people that were gathering in groups the minute you were allowed to but everybody's coming together in one way shape or form live stream or otherwise to collectively be together totally and And it fills your spirit and today and this is the greatest time ever because last year to me like christmas was canceled in my house the obviously the year before that christmas was canceled so this is the first time that families are coming together and friends are coming together. And uh, when you come together, please, sh- you know, share perspectives, share opinions. And I-, I think it's just a beautiful time. But everybody's nervous about not everybody. That's not true. Uh, some people are nervous about that, too, though, because like, you know, I mean, we have realized some things about some of our loved ones over the past few years that we didn't realize before you know we've realized like that one uncle is like a big trump guy or we've realized that one cousin you know doesn't believe in the vaccine or on the flip side you know other people are going to be judging their family members for 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 choices that they made out of self-preservation during the pandemic it seems politically socially uh even you know scientifically uh some of us are 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 feeling i think that our our wedges have been driven between meaningful friendships and family relationships and for a lot of people right now if if families are getting together for the first time in three years i bet some people are doing so with great trepidation and and i think i think that's okay actually I, i i think um having people with different perspectives comes together that's what makes us human to to have conversation with each other and i think the problem with social media what it's done it's amplified and put us even more into these little rabbit holes 100 so, so if you are anti-trump 
you are super anti-Trump. And I think back in the day when you were just a Trump fan, let's let's take social media out of it, you would just have a normal conversation with that person and understand their views. So my my belief is that when we get together, yes, people are going to have different views. Yes, you're going to have somebody that's anti-vax. Yeah, you're going to have somebody that's a Trump fan. But that's okay. I, I think what we need to do is understand each other's position a little bit more. And actually, we've become so entrenched in our own opinions that it's it's hard to change people's mind. My advice is to if you if you are so strong about a particular opinion, try to understand the other person's opinion. In in, in fact, try to debate yourself mm. with facts. And if you can't debate yourself with those particular p- opinions, that means you have a religious belief around that particular opinion. Mm. That means um and so m- my advice is that, you know, embrace the other side. Embrace the trumpers to just un- this is why we got into uh, the problem in 2016. That's why Trump won is because we didn't understand what other people were feeling and we need to do a lot more yeah, of that. Now. I mean, I don't want to make this all about Donald Trump. It's the first example that came to mind. I mean, I see, you know, in, in, in seriously, our podcast comes out every Wednesday. Sapri and I, we both identified it, our, identified our top news story of the year. Uh, and, and, and Sapria beat me to it. And I think she nailed it. Her top story of the year. People can check it out. Seriouslypod.com. The Freedom Convoy. Uh, there's an example closer to home. And, uh, you know, and, and I feel like this show and John, you and I have had this conversation before off air is 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 sometimes I think this show has failed uh, in not being gutsy enough with the people that we talk to. You know, you can you can as a, as a talk show host, you want some real talk. Here's some real talk. As a talk show host, you can find yourself bending and flexing totally. and being influenced by people who will use phrases like platforming. Why would you talk to this person? Why would you platform this person? I mean, there's members of this audience that do not want me to interview the sitting premier of Alberta because they disagree with her views on something. And that blows my mind. And I'm always going to push back on that. I'm not saying if Adolf Hitler was alive, that we would bring Adolf Hitler on and ask him, hey, Adolf, you know, all things aside, why do you? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that people are in a position now where if they disagree with somebody on policy or politics, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the justification for it. They don't want to pick that person's brain. They don't want to understand what led them to to endorse or believe or develop that policy. And that's where I think we get into real trouble. And that's why I've had some long nights staring at the ceiling, wondering if we're not going to do interviews like that. I, if we're not going to challenge the host, if we're not going to challenge the audience, maybe we should change the name of the show. No, I, I think I think you you know, the reason why people love this show and the reason why people love you is because you are not afraid to dive into those conversations. This whole thing is about real talk. And if you're not able to uh, play with some of those provocative or controversial issues, then what, what is this show all about? What are we about? doing here? What are we doing here? And so um, if you dislike somebody, um, that is not a reason not to understand them at the end of the day. Like, uh, I'll give you an example of this, Ryan. Like, I see people, for example, on Twitter being like, oh, anybody that follows Joe Rogan or listens to Joe Rogan, um, like, forget them. I'm, I'm going to cut them from, the, from my life. Um, and I always find that shocking because you can, you can listen to Joe Rogan and still have four vaccines in your body and, not, and, and, and be comfortable and just treat that as entertainment at the end of the day, right? And so you have to be able to separate 
um, individuals and your religious beliefs with your own beliefs at the end of the day. Um, and so I just appreciate your show and the fact that you are having these real, real conversations and and uh, God bless you guys. We well, well, that means a lot, Sean. I appreciate the kind <laughs> words. We quote Stephen Covey probably more than anybody else on the show in his basic premise of seek to understand. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. And once you've stopped seeking to understand people whose opinions differ from yours, then you're in real trouble. And you know, on that point, I think the thing that we need to teach our kids, you, you got to, I got to, is I think we have forgotten how to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. We have not taught people how to have conversation. The art of conversation, the ability to listen to someone else's side, the ability to uh, make someone else feel like they're heard instead of waiting for our turn. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know if in school or uh, it, you know when people start within business to, to actually get some skills around having that art of conversation. I think we've lost that and I'm hoping that we can bring it back. Haas mm-hmm. says uh, I can learn something from everyone so I take what I can use and I leave the rest. What do you think, Johnny? I think the best part of a conversation, wasn't it always like when you when you started getting older, it was like being enlightened, mm. like having someone tell you an opinion and finally fully understanding it and maybe not agreeing with it, but being like, wow, I get it now. And I feel like today it's all about the shutdown. I just want to shut this person down. Own that person. I want to prove them wrong. I yeah. want to make them feel like shit. There's no like thirst for knowledge, like he's saying, to get in their shoes anymore. It's just screw them fuck them i hate everything they stand for yeah, and that's here, it here's a cool point from tracy on our live chat boy do i appreciate our live chatters man they just they, they just keep this show going with opinions and perspectives and and sometimes we'll check in on the live chat they're debating something that totally. has nothing to do with what we're talking about tracy though says says i, I actually disagree with with sean she says if if content makes and I want to give you a chance to respond to this. She says, if content makes you angry or sad or depressed, tune out and change to a medium or a platform that makes you feel better. Uh, that doesn't sound like bad advice either. I mean, nobody's I, saying you have to subject yourself to stuff that puts you in a bad mental state. Absolutely. And that's why we shout out people that are, um, y- you know, we, 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 we defriend, unfriend people um, that that are um, feeling, making us feel bad, making us, you know, maybe they're toxic and, Maybe they're negative, and that's why we shut those people out of our lives. And same thing with content. And the problem with social media is that, to me, it's like it it is it amplifies high speed car crashes. Meaning, it amplifies inflammatory, low quality information. And so, naturally, when you're scrolling through Twitter, yeah, um, it's it's gonna make you feel bad. It is, and um. People uh, just want to see houses burn to the ground. Hundred percent. People want to see things burn to the ground, and when the fire is out and it's smoldering, they'll move on to the next person who's going to have their house burnt to the ground. It's like a it's like a swarm of locusts, totally. and that's not a compliment. Let's talk about your book. Yes, the, the bold ones. Uh, the you say that individuals ones. have become many religions. Uh, I mean, are, are you talking about like? I mean, you mentioned Elon Musk, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> How about an example? Yeah. Uh, homegrown out of Alberta, or, or I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the Kardashians. I mean, are these religions more than more than celebrities or, 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 or soothsayers? I think at the end of the day, as individuals, we all worship. We all have affinity to things, to individuals. The idea of religion is having practices. It's having rituals around something that's beyond us, and. You know, I look at my son. He's three years old. He loves Paw Patrol, Marshall and Sky and Rubble. Like he worships worships them, right? Yeah, sure. He'll sit down. He'll watch them. 
um, even this show. You know, this this show is on at 8.30. This is a ritual for many people. They wake up listening to you. Now, now calling yourself a religious leader, I, I know that sounds crazy. We would steer clear but of in that, a sense, yeah. But, it, <laughs> but in a sense, Real Talk is a, it's a, it's a community of people coming together that believe in a, 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 a th- there's a sense of belonging here. And so we have to understand that individual, individuals are becoming the new mini religions mm. in a sense. Like we have affinity, we, we worship individuals. And this doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, obviously there are downsides to this that we believe in somebody so much and and sometimes you see the dark side of the cult and 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 people go off the deep end but for the most part we believe in individuals people trust people people care for people and i believe that there's a great power shift that's happening from institutions from firms from companies to individuals and so um yeah so while individuals have become the mini religions the phone has become the new church Mm. right and 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 so that has become the portal to all these different religions we have affinity and they we worship you know people doesn't have to be a bad thing an an innovation strategist i've seen you described as a disruption strategist as well that's a word that are we we going round two here yeah let's go round two a little bit a little bit more bailey a little more cream uh, in in the coffee in the cup all right Um, this is only going to get more entertaining as the time goes on and by the way before we get into the topic of disruption because i know you're not going to do it because you're very humble what's that um listen if you if you follow if you've been following Ryan this this long just like rate review subscribe to him wherever you are YouTube well, thanks, just buddy. give this guy some love sign up to the Patreon and especially before tomorrow because there's a special party on tomorrow it's just gonna be like, a great party just you know you've been put you're so good at this by the way I'm I'm sitting here I'm watching you do your thing you are well, damn we, good we, at this we've been thing doing, we've been crap. doing it for a while and uh, he loves and, and, praise yeah, yeah well yeah uh-huh, I appreciate it and you're, and, and, and you're going because you're so humble and there's some people watching and listening going I don't know about that uh, but I will say that you know you got to find that fine line it's like when you talk to professional so, athletes and they say I don't like how how he celebrates when he scores a goal and I always say you know what's the fine line between confidence and arrogance because two six at a high level sometimes you have to believe in yourself so so let's talk about that for a second because you know the reason why i wrote this book the bold ones is because i really believe that there was this power shift happening from organizations from institutions to individuals i believe that you are actually part of this you know you you found um that by believing in yourself by actually betting on yourself and starting this based on sponsors, based on your listeners, that you could actually create not only a successful business, but support other people and their families and create an audience and community. Um, And you did that by yourself Mm. because of the power of the media. And I believe that actually you're an example and I feel like because of your talent and because you're, you're a master at your craft, you're able to do that. But I believe that everybody you don't have to necessarily go out and be a creator or a founder or an entrepreneur, but within your organization that you can go off and you know, find what you are good at, double down on that and be truly indispensable. And I, I feel that you're an example. I didn't, I didn't, you know what? I'm, I, I, I regret this because I wrote this book, The Bold Ones. I didn't include you, but you are, you are an example of a bold one. Well, I appreciate that. And, and Johnny, I don't know about you, but I, f- I feel like also, I mean, like, like you've acknowledged, and I try to say it every single day, uh, without the audience and without our sponsors, this show is nothing. I mean, you're broadcasting into the vapor and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter at all. But, but I think a big part of the audience that's here and the people that show up, I mean, thousands 
thousands and thousands of people every day are downloading this podcast or checking it out on YouTube, which we appreciate as well. I think that there was a big group of people as well. You want to talk disruption. Mainstream media these days is a mess. I mean, I was just talking to Robin Doolittle about about paywalls and things like that. And and, and news. I mean, the Globe and Mail may be one thing, but at the same time, you look at regional or local newspapers. They died on the vine. You look at radio stations and how they treat staff. You look at how popular morning show hosts are just Mm -hmm. shuttled out. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you always feel I don't know about you, Johnny, but we've both been on air, obviously, for a lot of years. and, and, And I would do every show like it was my last because you never knew with that anvil over your head when it was going to fall. So I mean, the, the word disruption means something to guys like well, us. there's a ladder to media now. It's like you're trying to go up, up, up. With, like, let's take radio. You're on nights, you're on middays, you're on drive, you get to mornings. Now you're at the top of the ladder and yeah. you're just teetering there. And you want to there's a guy in an office in Toronto who's just looking at numbers one day and says, why are we paying this person X when yeah. we can pay them Z? It doesn't matter. You know that the, I mean? and, it and, doesn't, and we're not complaining. This is not us bitching and complaining. This is just a fact. It's just a but fact. It, like, it doesn't matter if, if the show is the top show in the city and no. it doesn't matter if you were just volunteering at the food bank and it doesn't matter if everybody knows your name and it none of that matters it's a it's a dollars and cents thing so so when you talk like when you use a word like disruption i guarantee i mean maybe why don't we put this out to our lobby Let's live audience right now i mean what is so so real talkers that are watching us live that are listening on the mixler live audio stream even that's presented by california closets why don't you let us know what does disruption mean to you how does it manifest itself in your world we know what disruption means to us yeah you know and and, and to be to to be honest, like disruption can be an opportunity. Disruption can be a positive thing. I see disruption as something, someone, some technology coming out of nowhere and changing the status quo. But I actually think that we can see that as a positive. I, I believe that anybody can be a disruptor and change their own status quo. And so I love this word disruption, but I'd love to see what the what the chat says about disruption. Yeah, well, we'll let it go and we'll give some people some okay. time to, to, to share. And but, but this is like, I mean, I guess when, when, when people look at, you know, for example, you spent 12 years at Deloitte. People might have heard of that company uh, working with with corporate leaders to better plan. And I love how your bio reads opportunities associated with disruptive innovation. For a lot of people, disruption is a dirty word, right? Yeah. If you're if you're if you're hosting something, doing something, working on something, selling something, the last thing you want is a disruption. Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, you can see disruption as a negative things like the pandemic, but you can. You can also see disruption as a positive. Look look at how the pandemic has fundamentally changed how we look at work, how we um how we do things. I believe that, for example, the pandemic was the bubble that bursted in terms of people actually embracing digital, embracing technology, embracing new ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really see as um, disruption being a, a, an opportunity for everyone to see, how do I reinvent what I'm doing? How do I reimagine what I'm doing? And you know, I, it's funny because I've been working my entire career helping corporate executives with idea of understanding how they can use disruption to reinvent their business. But the reason why I wrote this book was to understand how can individuals reinvent themselves? Like how can you disrupt yourselves? How do you get yourself fired before somebody else fires you? Like how do you see it coming? Exactly. Yeah, how How do do you you see it coming? Yeah, I mean, this is interesting. You know, people are saying, you know, Justin, for example, says I'm personally all for disruption. Uh, and then he says, most of the time, <laughs> I love that. Justin says, I'm usually on the side of get on board or be left behind. He says, typically, as it pertains to, to technological advances, um, Kim says disruption is forced change. Yeah. Uh, Plain power says disruptions always require course correction. Some good, some bad. 
Uh, what about this from Lauren, who says, you know, disruption is a family member in crisis. It's mm. not all business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it could be. Um, and that's why the idea of disruption can apply to so many different things. And I, I think let's just at the just for 2023, let's let's flip disruption as opportunity. If something is um, going poorly in your life or something has come out of nowhere how can you flip that and look at the bright side and the opportunity and you know that's what i really want to frame in the book adventure cycling i happen to know personally his name is brad he's been a wonderful friend of the show he's a brain injury survivor he's a competitive cyclist the guy's a machine uh he's one of these guys like when he when he watches real talk or when he listens to real talk he's on one of these like he's on a, a cycling thing like a mounted okay. bike and he does he he'll be like i banged out 130k while i was listening to it. And he just wow makes me, he i makes mean, me feel i'm eating Brad's, chips while yeah. i'm, while I'm <laughs> watching we're sitting here in our comfortable leather. But anyway, so here's what Brad says. Uh, he says, disruption is what makes us grow. Uh, he says, if I didn't go through my accident years ago, it was a bike crash. He says, I would not be where I am today. Uh, Tracy says, disruption is good and bad. Always going to be challenges and innovative solutions. Uh, I like that she brings this up. The labor market is going to bring many challenges. But I think that that hybrid or remote work is healthy i mean heck we just talked about apex automation one of our sponsors yeah and i and i i was joking and i don't think adam uh, berlinick the founder of the company would mind me saying this i was hanging out with him I, I visited their corporate headquarters you see their team at work developing this software and and he goes we're automating this at a sag d facility and we're automating this at a potash mine and we're automating and, and i go yeah but like you know all these people are like think of all the jobs they're gonna lose right that's 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 hitting a, an issue head-on and uh, and he goes, no, he says, people, he says, you look at what happens in these companies and people are being reassigned to more fulfilling and totally. less dangerous work. He and says, you still need people to operate these systems. People can be retrained. People can be qualified for new things. In a lot of circumstances, people are getting raises. I mean, but that is a major disruption. A job you've been doing for 30 years becomes automated all of a sudden. Absolutely. Throughout history, that happens. I mean, you used to have telephone operators that were moving cables every time people wanted to have a phone call. Absolutely. And I think, you know, technology on an exponential scale things like artificial intelligence you know there's this you know chat gpt that's come out everybody's talking about that's um you know really being a human-like sort of ai can we talk about this yeah let's, These, let's, is, is this the one that's like writing books and like writing it's, it's all ai yeah and i'm choked to be honest because i just wrote a book and i could have just wrote it using yeah but I've, I've seen some pretty so, epic fails <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's true um yeah so chat gpt is a uh is a platform created by open ai um, and it's an AI platform that anybody can access right now. You put in a particular prompt, like tweet, like Ryan Jesperson, and it will um, it it will it will do that, or, 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 or it will um, you know help you uh, you know organize your next party. It will help you uh, you know design your next house. Um, there's so many applications to it, and people are saying, "Wow!" I mean, this is just the first inning of it. And, and I don't think we understand the exponential nature of something like ChatGPT or this artificial intelligence and how it's going to help us do, do so many things. And I think this is actually a positive. This is actually a disruptive. Yes, it a strikes me as it's not something that's inherently good or bad. It's not black or white, is it? Well, to be honest with you, every single technology to me is, you know, at least... It's either 51% good and 49% bad. You know, every technology has a downside to it. Um, absolutely. I mean, you look at social media, at some point it was 51% good and 49% bad. You look at it now, people are probably saying it's 51% bad, 49% um, good. But um, like any technology, it's going to have its disadvantages. But I think what it's ultimately going to be 
going to do, just like to your point, um, talking to the CEO of a- Apex, is that ultimately it's going to allow us to be more human. And, I, and my default is when it comes to any sort of disruption is how do we make work more human? And so I think what artificial intelligence is going to do is it's going to fundamentally democratize technology. It's going to put it in our pocket so that we can actually do more human things. We can double down on what matters, like our employees, our customers, our clients, and whoever else. And um, I think it's a beautiful thing that we're going to have this in our pocket. Um, and um, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. This is just the first inning. And this is the whole thing with um, disruption, Ryan, is that disruption always starts as a joke. It starts out as creepy or it, st- it starts out as, as something that people just dismiss. But later on, you know, the joke is really on us. Mm. It really uh, changes our behaviors. It changes our expectations and happens with every single disruptor. We're talking to uh, innovation strategist Sean Canungo. You can check out his new book, The Bold Ones, and check out his website, seancanungo.com. And, and, and by the way, on that note, by the way, I thought it, I thought it'd be really cool if you email. I'm not the, rapping, by the way. I know. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just okay. going to throw this out right sure. now. Um, if you email uh, the show, I will get you a uh, the I, I will randomly select uh, someone from uh, the emails. Just tell Ryan this, how much you love the show, what you love about the show. Email him and I will get you a signed copy oh. of the book. Put in your uh, mailing address. Okay, great. And let, Talk at RyanJesperson.com. Why, why, why don't we say we'll choose it? We, want, we always want to give the podcast a chance to land. So why don't we keep it open for the like, 24 hours? Let's do that. Okay, Let's do so that. people yeah. have a chance to yeah. listen to the podcast, which is, is usually, Johnny, it's usually at what, like 11 a.m. or something like that, Mountain, 1, 1 p.m. Something like that-ish. Unless Johnny and I are into the Baileys. It's whatever you want it. It's on demand. No, but I mean, like when it first blasts out, it's usually it's usually right around 11. Usually around 10, 30, Mountain time, something like that. So we'll give them 24 hours. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. We'll get you to sign a copy of the bold ones. Uh, Sean Canungo. I wanted to drop back in on this. Uh, Justin says this could be fun. Uh, Get the AI to write an ad read for Friesen Brothers in the style (laughs) of... Let's do it. It would just be all about the sourdough cinnamon buns. That's what it would be. The chat's on fire right now. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, Brenda says disruption can be accepting change. You know, an yep. example going along in life and something happens like a loved one being hospitalized and you got to be there um, out of routine. But we change for the good, Brenda. Amazing. Um, uh, what about this? Hey, Jill making a great point uh, says students have started using this specific AI for assignments. And he says it will disrupt academia. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, when kids are already writing essays using chat GPT, uh, Kids are already um, doing their homework using ChatGPT. And I think this is great. I actually think that it's great because it's going to allow us to do uh, what school uh, should be doing is helping us understand how to solve problems. Not It's not around memorization or... Um, you know, finding solutions, but it's actually how do we ask better questions? Yeah. How do we solve problems? How do we work with each other in better ways? And that's what school school should be. Beyond that, you know, making friends and um, making love like that. That should be what school is really about. Uh, uh, <laughs> Wait, I mean, I'm talking about university. Yeah, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen, yeah. I, I have a question. Yeah. Go. <laughs> So you're talking about breaking bread and, you know, we need to get closer. But what do you think of like the metaverse? Is that do you think that's a negative thing then is going to draw us, you know, more? I feel 85 years old. But what do you mean? The Like, you know, like when we're in, uh, fully locked into a digital sort of virtual world. reality where we don't leave our house, we may even work in the metaverse. We yeah. may live there. Yeah. Chat with people there. So so my, my my opinion on the metaverse is I believe the metaverse is not a place, but really it's a journey. Um, we always think that the metaverse is this like locked in virtual reality headset. We're like mm-hmm. in this sort of virtual ecosystem. But I believe that the metaverse might be a journey. It might we might be in the metaverse right now. We're we're we're. we're 
on our phones, you're you're listening to this, you're watching this on a digital platform, like we might be in a early version of the metaverse right now. And I believe that perhaps the metaverse in a sick way makes us actually more humans. Uh, I don't actually believe that we're gonna be locked into this virtual reality headset in this solo uh, sort, of, uh, sort of mode. I believe that maybe the metaverse allows us to just whether it's augmented reality, it allows us to actually interact with humans uh, a little bit more. It's allowing us to drop our phones. Imagine us dropping our phones and being able to interact with each other and the metaverse is just uh, just an augmentation using you know glasses or w whatever else to just get us data or to do things a little bit more seamlessly. Maybe there's an opportunity for us to make life more human because I believe that in, you know, 50 years, we're gonna look back at all these pictures from the, the 2000 era and be like, Oh my God, everybody's, all the pictures are just people on their phones the entire time. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And, and I'm one of the people. And so am I. Like, like so I, am I. I dropped my phone outside We're our office earlier people, this yeah. year and I smashed my phone. It was unusable. Um, and for two days until I got it all figured out, I didn't have a phone and I felt like empty and so full at the same totally. time. It's like losing a limb. Yeah, but like totally. part of me was like, part of me was like, nobody can get in touch with me. And then part of me was like, nobody can get in touch with me. And it was, actually, you know what I mean? It was kind of this weird thing. Totally. Yeah, I've heard people say I was reading from, I'm always trying to read, you know, like you. It's why I follow you on Twitter and others is I'm always looking for people that'll have these, these inspirational tips or ideas. Sometimes it's these tweaks you can make in your life, not these transformative changes, but tweaks you can make in your life. And I was reading from a guy the other day. I don't know if you buy this or not. He said that he only ever charges his phone up to 30%, mm. which would just give me panic all day. Um, but he said, and he keeps it on airplane mode. And so when he's ready to check his phone, when it's like that scheduled time of day, I told my wife about this. She said, don't get any ideas. We have a six month old at home. But when he's ready, he takes it off airplane mode and he gets hit with all the texts and the emails and the notifications. And he, and he ticks off his list to the allotted time and then he puts it back on airplane mode. And he says, and I never use the 30 percent battery. I never run out. I thought, wow. gosh, what a way to to to, you know, in a sense, take control back of the, the dominating force that technology can be in your own personal life. It works for him anyway. What a psychopath. No, no, that's that. That's 30%. <laughs> I'm like, I would have such anxiety at 30% battery to start the day. Are you kidding Listen, me? Listen, my happiness is dictated uh, by the battery life in my phone. So if I'm at 76%, that's my happy. No, no, that's actually a great idea. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's phenomenal. And what I've been trying to do is like when I'm with the kids or um, when I'm with my family, just to literally physically leave the phone away so that you're not itching, you're not, you're not grabbing your phone, you're not tapping it. Um, I think that's so uh, that's so important. I love that tip. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this in closing. Uh, you, you talk about uh, and I know that obviously you keep a keen eye on what's happening in business and big business. And and one of the stories of the year, you know what I'm going to talk. You know exactly what I'm talking about. If I if I say 44 billion, you know exactly what I'm going to talk <laughs> about. One of the biggest stories of the year, obviously, is that one of the world's most prominent entrepreneurs, one of the richest people in the world, Elon Musk, has, has obviously secured ownership of and control over the world's biggest messaging platform, which is Twitter. Uh, he put it to a poll and asked people if he should leave, if he should appoint a new CEO of Twitter. And, and it, it in a way blew up in his face and people suggested that he should leave. So he may be looking for a new CEO. If that was you, what would you do with Twitter? Well, number one, let me tell you that t Twitter is the most fascinating thing for me because I think Twitter is not real life. Um, I think that I saw some polls recently that 14% of Canadians are actually on Twitter. Um, 14%. I've seen other studies that 17% of Canadians are on Twitter. And 97% of tweets come from 25% of the users. Sure. 
So, so that means like a very small percentage of people are actually on Twitter. But the problem is, is that you see 99% of the 100% of the media on Twitter. So whatever happens on Twitter actually becomes the news in some sort of way. It actually creates narratives. It creates stories um, better than anything else. And that's why Elon, um, I think in, in some respect, has bought Twitter because it is the greatest storytelling platform on the planet. Um, and I, I, I'm actually interested because... For some reason, Elon um, is the, he's always the news story because of Twitter. And it shouldn't be. Twitter is not real. It's not real life. And it's, and the amount of people that are on it, it should be inconsequential. But because it drives narratives in our world because of the media, it's become important. And to me, it's, it's disheartening because you have somebody like Elon who is literally creating rockets. He is creating... He's commercializing uh, space. He's, he's, cr- he, he's made uh, changing, mainstream. Yeah, he's changing the narrative when it comes to electric vehicles. And because he is a divisive character on Twitter, people dislike him or what he's doing. And and I think it's a, it's a hit on his legacy. Um, not just people dislike him, but if I'm a Tesla shareholder, which I'm not, or if I own or drive a Tesla, which I don't, but I have friends who drive Teslas and they're remarkable vehicles, I, w- I would be demanding that he knock it off. I mean, you saw this. I can't remember the fellow's name, uh, uh, a Korean billionaire. He's one of the one of the 500 richest people in the world. And he's the, the third largest shareholder in Tesla and essentially described himself as an Elon Musk disciple mm-hmm. uh, no longer than two years ago. Um publicly demanded that Elon Musk step down from Tesla's leadership because of what's happening to the share price. I mean, it's not just that people that he rubs people the wrong way. There are billions of dollars at stake. Yeah. And I saw Elizabeth Warren uh, tweet out that we should be investigating Tesla because he's, he's unloading so many shares or uh, investigate Elon. You know, at the end of the day, when it comes to um, Twitter, I think it is such a difficult job to, to have number one, to moderate free speech, to figure out what, what should we be uh, policing? What should be on the platform and what shouldn't be? That's an impossible task. I think it's a lose-lose situation. You're always going to have people that will disagree with that. So that's number one. But um, when it comes to becoming the CEO of Twitter, going back to your original question, um, I would, unfortunately, what I would do is probably run it to the ground because I would reduce the amplification on Twitter. I would remove the likes and the retweets and the likes because I think probably... Part of the problem oh, of people Twitter, would lose their minds yeah, if you did that. Well, well, the part of the problem with Twitter is that social media amplifies extremists. What it means is that it amplifies extreme views. The more opinionated that you are, the more validation that you get. So people are incentivized to say the craziest shit ever, and True. that actually gets what the views. You know, it's like, are you not entertained? I don't know where that's from, but like the Gladiator, are you not entertained? And so, if you remove that, and People just follow people because just they like them, not because they're the most um, uh, retweeted people. Then you're you're going to remove the amplification piece because what happens with amplification and what happens with opinions? Unfortunately, what's happened with social media is social media has made opinions a new form of status, mm. and people are now incentivized to say the craziest shit, and that's what gets the most retweets. You can't be in the middle. You can't say something that's boring or mediocre. That's if you actually ask people on the street, uh, "Hey, what do you think?" Of, Elon, they'll be like, uh, I don't know. 
Eh, I don't know. Maybe. Or like, what do you think of El- make this local? Make yeah. it localized. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you, you think of Pierre Polyev or Justin Trudeau or, or yeah. Chuck Meetzinger, you know, Danielle Smith, and you know what's, or Rachel Notley? And you know what people say with Danielle Smith? They're like, um, yeah, maybe we'll give maybe we'll give her a chance. I'm I'm not too sure. I want to see your policies. That's not going to get some retweets on Twitter. <laughs> you got to say that she's the devil or she's the best <laughs> thing that has ever happened. That's what will get the retweets and the likes. You can't say Daniel Smith is. You can't give her a chance. I lied to you. Uh, I said that was going to be. They teach you this in, in interviewing 101. Never say, never say final question. <laughs> never say it. Because you're always going to lie to the interview E and you're going to lie to the audience. Um, but but we will close on this because we got to get to trash talk. Yes. And, uh, and and I see some some folks are concerned on the live chat that you and I are too deep into the Baileys. <laughs> I'll let them know we're just getting started. It's December 22nd. We're in major overtime, but I knew it would happen. We're in major overtime. What, what do you want me to like? Put Listen, a, this you, is. You want me to put a lid on this guy? Are you trash kidding talk. Listen, this is, the, movie this is the last show of the year. The last we, show got, of the year. we got the Baileys flowing. <laughs> we're talking about Elon. <laughs> we're giving like, away books. We're giving away books. We're getting crazy right now. But you argue in your book that status is an ugly word. Yeah. Why is status an ugly word? I well, mean, everybody, not everybody, people spend their entire lives trying to achieve clout or status. Yeah. You know, you know, I actually think that status is ugly and unbelievable at the same time. Status is the reason why we have so many innovations. It's the reason why we want to create a better world. We always want something that somebody else has. To me, status is just simply the idea of feeling valued at the end of the day. But I think status is the, actually the thing that holds us back. It's the thing that actually prevents us from innovating um, because we, we hold on to our expertise. We hold on to what's working today. We hold on to our seniority. And um, in order to innovate, in order to ultimately disrupt yourself, you have to disrupt your own status, your own expertise, your own standing. And um, I think by removing status, by placing ourselves in what would many people would say lower status situations, like get the coffee, pour the Baileys, you know, do the meeting minutes. Once we put ourselves in these situations, we will start this idea of how do I remove status from my life? And that is actually how you start disrupting yourself. We've got a request here, and I, I hope you don't mind. Uh, Neve, we, yeah, we, yeah, Neve, we, we've people got, are wondering who pe- she people is. People want to know who's the who's the <laughs> photographer in the studio. Can you can you come on set? Do you mind? Sure. Can you can you share a mic with Sean and, and Sean? Who's this? Yeah, sh- so this is Neve. Uh, she's my creative lead. She's the person that is actually creating all the videos and edits, and she's uh, she's actually unbelievable with that. So. Well, Neve, I've seen your work, and it's phenomenal. Welcome to the Real Talk Studio. What's something that you're grateful for this holiday? holiday season oh um i am grateful that i'll just be able to spend the time with my family a lot of my family doesn't live here so um getting to actually see them again will be great wonderful thank you for spending time with us in the studio and by the way she she, she's unbelievable and and what she does is is incredible um uh, the other thing is she just came back from Mexico last night. Ooh, last and, night. Yeah. And uh, she just had like a week in in sunny Mexico and then she got hit with like minus 45. Where did you go? Where where in Mexico did you go? Um, Playa del Carmen. How was it? It was really good. It was really warm. Yeah. Really what was nice. what was the temperature when you left? Uh, I think like 31. And what was it when you landed? Minus 33. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Well, a very happy holidays to you, Neve, and, and you do phenomenal work uh, for Sean, and obviously, clearly, a very important team member. 
thank you for hanging out with us today and uh, bringing what we knew would be just like off the charts energy and <laughs> insight. And and uh, we've we've uh, Johnny and I uh, Johnny alluded to it. The live chat here has been uh, going off, and I know that when the podcast drops, we're going to see a lot of action on this as well. Talk at RyanJesperson.com is where you can send us an email to qualify to win a signed copy of The Bold Ones by Sean Canungo, and you can check out his website, SeanCanungo.com, best-selling author, disruption strategist. Disruption is opportunity. Let me read this uh, from uh, Dan Schwabel, the New York Times best-selling author. Uh, people know him in the business world as managing partner of workplace intelligence. Uh, the Bold Ones, Canungo's book, unpacks the DNA of disruptors, showing us how to make a dent in any field as compulsively readable as it is actionable. Sean's innovation playbook is a shot of adrenaline to the career. How's that? I love that. That's a Listen, nice holiday review. That 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 is really nice. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on. It Thanks for such, being here. Thanks such, for the Baileys. Thank. Listen, thank you guys so much. And and I, I want to say this. I know this is the last show of the year, and I know you're gonna do your you're gonna talk to your Patreon guests, and you're gonna do a wrap up. But sincerely, on behalf of all Edmontonians um, and people around the world, like not just Edmontonians, pe- pe- people people listen to this show all around the world. Um, thank you for putting in uh, the love and the effort into this and you can see it the way that you show up the way that you prepare um, the way that you speak to your guests um, it is a master class and I, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart well that means a lot to me Sean uh, I really do considering the source I appreciate that uh, Sean uh, check out his book The Bold Ones anywhere you find good books thanks my man thank you thank I you. love it innovation disruption there you have it coming up next on this best of real talk episode so the wheelie peeps, two of them, Bean Gill and Brian McPherson, who gave us an absolutely incredible insight into what it's like life in a chair. Some of the stuff that people don't typically talk about, but they're important conversations as you're about to see. First, a word from our sponsors who are making this episode possible. Are you a professional engineer or a recent graduate from an engineering school anywhere in Canada? Apex Automation wants to talk to you. That's right. They're hiring in a number of rewarding career opportunities. We're talking engineering, fabrication, automation. This team is leading the charge, putting their people and their clients ahead of their profits. You want proof on why this company's culture is different than all the rest? Check them out today at apexautomation.ca. Tens of thousands of Canadians are trusting their post-secondary learning experience to Athabasca University. Why? Because Canada's Open University offers world-class accredited online programs and courses that give you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. Plus, it's one of Canada's most reputable research universities. You can learn more about the undergraduate, graduate programs, and other reasons to check out AthabascaU.ca. California Closets is providing custom closets and storage solutions for the entire home. Make the most of your space with their custom organizational systems. Sure, it may be a dream closet in your bedroom, or maybe it's a craft closet downstairs for the kids. How about something to house your entertainment system in a way that increases the quality of the experience and the value of your home? 
Plus, they do garages. Oh, do they do garages? You can get a free consultation today at californiaclosets.ca. Are you dealing with flood damage, fire damage? Maybe you or your construction crew found mold or asbestos in those walls you're looking to renovate. Oh man, this type of nightmare needs to be trusted to the talented team at Complete Care Restoration. They're the ones we trusted with our studio build. They're the ones you should trust for whatever you need done, construction, renovation, or recovery. It's Complete Care Restoration online at completecarerestoration.ca. No matter what you're celebrating, guaranteed there's a perfect fit for a custom DQ cake. That's right, any occasion is a happy occasion with a DQ cake. We recommend that Real Talkers check out the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. You'll find happiness however you want it. That world-famous soft serve with a fudgy, crunchy, chocolatey middle. The perfect way to celebrate any occasion is a DQ cake from the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. For more than 20 years, Eden Landscaping has been bringing outdoor spaces to life. Still family-owned, still based out of Edmonton, Alberta, this team has perfected the art of modern to traditional and every other type of landscape design. Their projects all have one thing in common, that's happy clients. What's the difference in dealing with Eden Landscaping? Find out today with a free consultation. You can learn more and book it at landscapeedmonton.ca. The first of the month means 15% off grocery purchases of $75 or more at all Friesen Brothers locations. 16 of them across the province of Alberta where Albertans have trusted this family-owned grocer to put quality, affordable, nutritious meals on those family dinner tables. Established in 1955, still family-owned. It's Friesen Brothers online at Friesen.com. Are you noticing health issues with your pets? Maybe obvious joint pain? Maybe there's something with their coat just doesn't look the same as it used to? It could be what they're eating. May we recommend you check out Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. We're proud to feed Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food to our dogs, and we've seen the health benefits. The best part about it, it's affordable. The business is family-owned. They care deeply about what they do. And the food's delivered right to our door. If you're in Edmonton, Calgary, or Central Alberta, check them out online. The promo code REALTALK takes 10% off your first order at granddog.ca. Are you an apprentice or journey person electrician? Kubi Renewable Energy would love to hear from you. That's right. It is heading into their hottest season, the busiest time of year, and they're looking for installers looking to put up solar power projects across BC, Alberta, and into Saskatchewan. Kubi Energy is one of Canada's busiest solar installers and the only installer that's Tesla certified. You can check out the work that they're doing online at kubienergy.ca. Make the next move in your career today. 
If you're making decisions for a small business, a large business, or an entire community when it comes to residential or commercial, even industrial garbage and recycling management, maybe you're taking a look at a big home renovation or a huge landscaping project and you could use one of those front load or roll off bins. Are you putting together a community event or a festival this summer where you'll need fencing, portable toilets, or even water hauling? Keep it local with Local Environmental Services. You'll find them online at localenvironmental.ca. On CBC Jam, getting set to roll out a brand new series. It looks to be hilarious, heartwarming, and insightful. It's called Push. Here's a look. We're not here to inspire you. We're sure as shit not here to be pitied. We're just a bunch of people on wheels, figuring life out, and fighting for change. Why do we have to pay to pee? Thank God we have each other. Because yeah. once in a while, oh my God. we all need someone to give us a little push. That's the Wheelie Peeps, the stars of Push, which debuts this Friday on CBC Gem. Two of the stars joining us in studio. That was the voice of Ben Veet, Bean Gill, longtime friend. It's wonderful to have you here on the show. And, and as uh, teed up earlier, the, quote, foul mouth and former bad boy. Brian McPherson. Welcome to Real Talk, you two. Thanks, Ryan. So <laughs> good to be here. Why are you laughing when we intro? First of all, who wrote the bio? Foul-mouthed and former bad boy. <laughs> is that the publicist or is that you? Uh, that was probably publicist, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it didn't take long. Yeah. How long have you two known each other? Oh, I think since the year after I was paralyzed. So coming up on 10 years yeah. this summer. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Has mm. it been 10 years, Bean? Last summer was 10 years. That wow. For, yeah. for people that aren't familiar with this story, let's let's get up to speed on both sure. of your stories. You're with your girls. You're in Las Vegas. Yeah. And illness strikes. It's, it's a story that people would have a hard time wrapping their mind around. Yeah, I, I didn't believe it until it happened to me either. But basically, it was a virus that attacked my spinal cord. And within 10 minutes, I was paralyzed. Went from having really bad pain in my low back uh, to being fully paralyzed from the waist down within 10 minutes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Your, 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 uh, response and, and the way that you have lived your life and everything that you've done since has, has captured people's attention in, in, in a major way. And, and you're a celebrated entrepreneur. I want to get to that. Um, and I know you've been a huge inspiration, uh, to many, many people. Uh, Brian, you, you, you suffered an injury, didn't I, you? I did. Yeah. I had a ATV accident on August 22nd, 1995. Riding a three-wheel trike, guy in a quad cut me off, turned to miss, flipped, landed on my back, and had the machine land right on top of me. Wow. Uh, paralyzed immediately? Paralyzed immediately, yeah. How, how, how does it how – how, how old were you at the time? 17. How, how does a 17-year-old process uh, that? And Yeah, not well. I spent uh, two years after the accident drinking, uh, raging alcoholic, to be honest. Uh, mom and dad, tough love. You know, they, uh, they could only do so much, asked me to get out of the house. Spent a few months uh, figuring it out on the streets and trying to re regain my life. And then uh, at 19, I started turning my life around, uh, got involved in wheelchair basketball, was inducted to the Alberta Hall of Fame in 2005, mm. uh, left that, went to sledge hockey, 
played uh, sledge hockey for Team Canada for development team for three years. And then uh, as of late became Canada's first ever disabled bobsled pilot. And I uh, was last ranked third in the world. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Done some stuff in my life. Yeah. Yeah. No. Those are just my pro stuff. Yeah. 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 That's not the fun stuff. No, yeah. no, that's not the fun stuff. What's the fun stuff? Yeah. Don't leave us hanging. <laughs> I've done a lot. There's really nothing out there I haven't done. You know, I've worked in construction the last eight years, running heavy equipment, uh, water ski, downhill ski, rock climb. I mean, literally anything you can probably come up with as a topic, I've probably done it or tried it once or twice. Huh? How did the two of you connect? Uh, so we met when I came back from California and that's when I realized that there's, I've never seen people with wheelchairs here in Edmonton mm. and in California, they were everywhere. And I was like, what kind of bizarre land am I in where there's people everywhere here? So I made it my mission when I came back, I was like, Hey, I got to find my homies. So I went to a spinal cord injury, Alberta barbecue and Brian was manning the barbecue and he made me and my mom veggie burgers. That's how we met. <laughs> that is exactly how we met. Yep, yeah, absolutely. What was, what was it about the veggie burger in particular? You just found like he, he, he saw it coming. He knew what you were looking for. And you said, I might have found a friend in this guy. Is that it? <laughs> there was many jokes. Like, how do you know? How do you even cook a veggie burger? There's no blood in a veggie burger. Like, yeah, I was not a fan of cooking a veggie burger, but I did it well. <laughs> you did it. Did you do all right? I did all right. Yeah, I passed yeah, the test. Yeah, I've, I've, I've learned to navigate this. You just got to do it on lower heat. You that, just that, gotta, that's yeah, right. That's keep right. it off direct flame, and you can you know that's make right. it taste pretty good, right? <laughs> so right. how did this show come about? Was this your pitch, or did, did CBC no. approach you, or how so, did this come about? Caitlin, who's our executive producer with Phoenix Film and Television, she reached out to me two years ago. She saw that I won <clears throat> top 40 under 40, mm -hmm. and... She reached out to me saying, um, I'm applying for a grant to do a 20 minute documentary and I'd love to do it on you. So I was like, yeah, obviously let's do it. So we met, we talked and stuff. She applied for the grant, but she got denied the grant. And so then I just thought, okay, well, whatever, that's fine. And then she said that she was talking to the other producer, Sean, about me. And he said, well, why don't we do something together? So then we had a meeting and he, Sean asked me, he's like, what do you want out of this? And I've wanted a reality TV show for so long, like for so long, because mm. so many funny things happen to me all the time, <laughs> all the time. And so that's what I said. And you know, when I was first paralyzed, I watched a show called Push Girls. And it, after watching that show, that's when I was like, wait a minute, people will date people with disabilities. You can be fit and be in a wheelchair. You can have a job and be in a wheelchair. Mm. Cause I had the stigmas of people with disabilities, even though I was one. And but what that show was missing was kind of the other real aspects of it, of talking about, you know, pooping yourself, peeing your pants, because if you have a spinal cord injury, that's a part of your life, right? Mm -hmm. And talking about how to transfer, talking about skin health, talking about like real issues that like a lot of us face. And so for people who are newly injured, I want them to see this show and be like, okay, like I'm going to have a bright future. Right. And so that's kind of how it came to be. Hmm. Now it's actually happening. I'm, I'm, I, by the way, it's, it's super cool with us uh, if conversations just go all over the okay, place. Cool. And so, you know, I, and I know, you know, you and I, when we've talked in past, that's kind of the way it goes. Yeah. Um, I read about you that, that you once vowed that you would never date someone in a chair. <laughs> Uh, so there's a, yeah, I've never dated another cripple is the way I put it. Okay. <clears throat> well, I won't put it that way, but you can yeah. say whatever you like. <laughs> Yet you are dating someone in a chair. I am. I'm dating the beautiful Victoria. She, um, she came into my life just over a year and a half ago. Believe it or not, I don't know what it is. It, it's got to be a hanging out with the wheelchair people. But Victor, um, Bean had a wheelchair wash at her company. 
and uh, I came to help volunteer, work on chairs or whatever, and Victoria was there. I laid eyes on her, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> so, uh, But yeah. why, why, why in the first place were you, were, you, were you not going to date someone in a chair? Uh, you know, I'm always about the comedy when I, when, when I answer questions. Um, you don't know whose leg's whose when you're crawling into bed, you oh, know? Um, the whole stigma when you're out in yeah. public, you know, oh, look at the cute little couple in a wheelchair. I mean, there was a lot of reasons. Um, now, I mean... I'm big enough. If you want to mouth me off, I'll punch you in the mouth. It'll be quick. But, uh, you know, Victoria, Victoria's a wonderful woman. And the one thing I've learned real quickly is there's a, it, it makes life a lot easier because there's not a lot of explaining that uh -huh. has to be done on either side. You know, we, we have our days, we have our moments, but uh, there's, a, there's a level of understanding because we both do have a disability. So. Huh. So this is this this group, the Wheelie Peeps, mm -hmm. um, which is just the greatest name of all time. It's like you guys need like uh, jackets, like in Greece yes. or something, right? You yes. need jackets, tracksuits. Uh, yeah, tracksuits for sure. Did you all know each other before the show, or has this show brought you into some new friendships? You all knew each other before. Yeah, these are all my friends. Yeah, and they're all different from friends from different corners. And with this show, what's beautiful about it is it's, it's bringing people together. Mm. Right. And like uh, creating new relationships and stuff. And so, yeah, it's just all of these people have been my friends and I pitched about 50 people to yeah. the producers and I was like, take your pick. Wow. You so you've just got these huge personalities. Everybody yeah. sort of brings their own uh, bit to the table. We've had a yeah. chance to to see the trailer and a, and, and a few of the clips. I'm really looking forward to when it launches on Friday. Thanks. How are you feeling about it? Do you I'm like so nervous. you must have you must have. I mean, this is I remember the first I shrieked when I first saw it because you and I have known each other. I think I met you right around the time of your injury. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we've known each other for about 10 years now. Yeah. I was watching like Hockey Night in Canada or something. and All of a sudden this there you were. And I was like, what? I, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a huge deal. But yeah. but you you, it, it sort of it, it puts you into position. It thrusts you into a position of a, of a, of a national or international advocate now. Yep. Um, how do you wrap your mind around that, and, and what does that come with? Oh, man. I'm, like, on, on the peak of excited and nervousness. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm really excited because there's so much good that's going to come from the show. I'm really nervous because I'm putting my whole life out there for everybody to critique and mm -hmm. judge. And so as much as support, there's going to be a lot of support and stuff. There's for sure going to be hate, right? Those trolls are out there. I've already had no, them. find so, something. Yeah. So what have you already had? Give us an example. What are you getting trolled about? Uh, well, I don't really read the comments anymore. So when I'm Smart. on media, like when, you know, if uh, CBC or Global or CTV, somebody produces a, um, an article or something, yeah. I used to go and read the comments on their pages. And on those, that's when I would see people like, you know, some girl commented, oh, well, just learn how to walk. Like I learned when I was a toddler or like, you know, just comments like that. And it's just like, you know, these are keyboard warriors who would never say that to my face. Yeah. But they'll say it behind a, a computer, right? Yeah. One of the things I've loved uh, about you and really respected about you and, and here you are doing it, you know, you're, people talk about, you know, you're an, you're a, an EDI expert, you know, mm -hmm. equity, diversity, inclusion. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there's sort of like the high level conversations and I'm not diminishing those yeah. about what do we need to do as a society? How do we need to build our cities? But you always, you cut right to the chase. Like here you are, you're like spinal cord injury. You're going to poop your pants. That's right. You're going to pee yourself. Yep. I remember we had a whole conversation on the radio about people in wheelchairs like to have sex too, yeah. you know, <laughs> Yeah. We like to enjoy pleasure too. Like yep. you, you, you've really, it seems taken it upon yourself 
yourself to to prompt and 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 in many circumstances host or mm-hmm. carry on these conversations about things that are real life, but they just don't seem to happen. I don't know if people get awkward about it. People for get sure. nervous about talking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure, people get awkward about it, right? And for me, I just honestly have no more patience left. I don't care. Huh. I have no more patience. Uh, this is how we live our lives. If you are uncomfortable about it, that's a you problem, not a me problem. Yeah. Right? And like, why are we embarrassed or uncomfortable talking about bodily functions that literally every human body does? Yeah. Right? It's just society. We've said, oh, well, you know, we don't poop and we don't pee. But like, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. We all do. If we didn't eat and you didn't drink, then maybe, okay. But like, so to get rid of that stigma to get rid of that like on that awkward air about it because as a newly injured person that's what's really uncomfortable and really embarrassing is like the bowel and bladder and like sexual function right so if we can just talk about it and make it normal then it'll feel normal for more people too are you seeing yourself brian as as like an ambassador I mean, how are you approaching your role to this? You, you obviously, you, you, you have a, a, a gift when it comes to the one-liners. That's pretty clear. Yeah. That's pretty evident. Yeah. You'll be providing some levity on the show. But do you, do you perceive yourself to have an assignment as part of this? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been an honor to be a part of it. And, you know, I'm very grateful for Bean and, and CBC and all, all the people that, that invited me to be a part of the show. I mean, one, my attitude is I really don't give a shit. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm just here for the ride. But 20, 20 years, you know, being in a wheelchair and um, I've done it all. And I think my end of it is just showing like, you know what? It don't matter whether you got a disability or not. It's what you do with yourself. And it's, and it's, and you know, I've never looked at myself as a person with a disability. I mean, I've just gone and done what, done whatever I wanted to do and, and never looked back. So mm. I hope that it just shows people out there that, you know, it, mind over matter you know it uh there are some tough things that we go through and and you know it's unfortunate that here i am rattling off all these wonderful things i've done in my life and this little season that's coming out i've had a really rough go with my health mm-hmm. and uh but it it's great because it gets to show that side of it as well yeah. can we talk about that absolutely we yeah can. Well, what's been going on Yes, so, uh, you know, it all started uh, back in 2015 uh, with a testicle that uh, swelled up. Uh, They had no idea what what caused it. They removed it. No investigation done. A few years have gone by, infection back and forth, back and forth. And uh, December of 2020, uh, they said they found a little track inside my pelvis. So they were going to go in and clean it up. Eight days after that surgery, uh, I exploded gangrene out of my groin and damn near oh, died. Uh, I had to have three surgeries in five days. Uh, it was probably one of the darkest times yeah. of my life. Yeah, I did. I'm still dealing with trauma, drama. To be to be honest with you. Um, long story short, is uh, because of in and out catheters uh, over n- many many years. Yeah. One catheter had punctured through my urethra and oh. it made its own passageway in my pelvis. So uh, this year they went back in to quote unquote finally fix the problem and. Uh, I love your table, knock on wood, but yeah. uh, apparently it's the first time I'm not leaking since 2015. Huh. So it's been a rough road um, for my health. Um, 
Well, this is uh, this is white oak from Urban Timber, so I, 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 I beautiful, I, perhaps this table. holds some special power. When yeah, you knock on yeah, this that's and, what I'm hoping. And we'll, we'll wish you good health there. So, Thank so you. it is it is a health issue related uh, to being in a chair to, to using that catheter. Absolutely. What are what are some what are some of the other things that like I mean, I, gosh, we could sit here for three hours, couldn't mm-hmm. we? But like, what are some of the other things people just don't think of? Like you know, for example, here we have we have a we have a we have a, a comment here. Uh, this is from Kathy who says our neighbors in a chair. Uh, we've been called over more than once to help her with a transfer from chair to bed gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathy says it was a learning curve for her, but we think we've got it mastered now. What, what's something else? What's an example top of your head that somebody might not think about uh, life in a chair? Like as, as people become enlightened by watching this show, what are some of the things they're going to realize? Um that a lot of people who are paralyzed can move and feel their paralyzed parts. A lot of people don't know that. Like the stereotype is that if you're paralyzed, you can't move and you can't feel anything, right? Yeah. There are a lot of people who can't move and can't feel anything. That is true. But the majority of us can move and can feel parts of our body below the level of paralysis. Mm. Yeah, you've been uh, you've been an advocate for uh, like I mean you just for, for people on the podcast you just rolled your eyes like it's almost like you don't want me to finish my sentence, uh, which is so funny. I just love sitting with you, but uh, uh, but uh, you know for example, Plain Power says there's no way I could traverse this city in a wheelchair uh, at least mm-hmm. in most communities. Says the number of uncleared sidewalks, the lack of ramps mm-hmm. uh, to navigate curbs or yep. stairs is a huge screw you to anybody not using two feet. Why are you shaking your head like you disagree, Brian? What's going what about what are we saying that's this inaccurate? is a this is a huge argument that i have with bean and, and everybody you gotta when i say i ran heavy equipment i ran a skid steer for nine years doing snow removal okay with a disability yeah driving my own truck unloading my own skid steer off a trailer in foot and a half of snow to go clear snow uh you know a lot of complaints about in the city are you know the snow doesn't get cleared quick enough well, do you know how much it takes to clear sidewalks? Just like five Sobies in a night? You know, that's a lot of manpower. So, I mean, I Man, understand. you're arguing saying. for the wrong side right now. I understand that. But, you're arguing but, for but let's, let's argue about what, like, when guys are doing snow removal and not clearing, not clearing the disabled uh, curb cuts or they're shoveling right to where the curb cut is and leaving the snow there those are valid arguments absolutely i would never change that away could we do more in the city with uh, proper curb cuts and 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 safety yes absolutely i would not deny that but i think that goes with anything in the world everything can be made bigger better better you know but uh yeah it's you know the winter time we do kind of stay a little bit more secluded it's not as easy as as it would be with two good legs and i won't deny that huh I just, uh, I've worked in it, so I don't, it doesn't bother me. As well. On the other side. Oh, no, it's very clear it doesn't bother you at all, Brian. No, no nothing bothers you, does it? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's lots that bothers me. <laughs> I'm getting lots of dirty looks from me. And, you <laughs> it's know. like you're undoing years of advocacy <laughs> her, right her, now, Brian. Her, her and I could probably go, go a couple yeah. rounds with boxing gloves over this. this. But how, how frequently how, how frequently do you, do you encounter a scenario where you can't gain access to something or where there's a circumstance outside of your control based on accessibility or a mobility challenge that, that there's nothing you can do about it. is that a daily occurrence yeah, for you yeah i mean literally from the first snowfall right even in my own neighborhood i can't get around my whole block i could not cross the street in my neighborhood because the curb cuts aren't cleared and then the roads aren't cleared because it's a residential neighborhood right and so like yes i understand like what brian's saying about how hard snow removal is but i think if we had better infrastructure if we had better uh, use of our budget i think that it could be so much better 
we just need more people with disabilities in those roles who are making these decisions, not just an advisory committee, not just somebody who says, yeah, I have a disability. Let me check this box that you talked to somebody with a disability about this. Yeah. Somebody who's actually doing it. That's what we need. So we need people with disabilities to really step up, yeah. get out of their houses. And I hope that this is what the show does too, is shows people to get out of your house and go do things. Like we have to be the change that we want to see. So if you're going to sit there and complain about snow removal, go and do something about it. Hmm. Do the two of you have opportunities or, or, or do you make it, uh, you know, do you intentionally make sure that, that you're speaking with people that have just recently been injured or people that are, that are just adjusting to life in a chair? In particular, maybe even younger people like you were 17 years of age. I mean, really at that time navigating a circumstance I think most, most people would, would find to be impossibly difficult yeah i mean um so, so for a while i worked for spinal cord injury alberta uh and that was kind of my job getting to know the new injuries and whatnot uh, because i left and went into construction and just wanted to do my own thing kind of went back from that but i mean because i've been an advocate with sports i've met a lot of new injuries and done whatever yeah and being with bean i mean um I, there's nothing that this woman could ask of me that I would say no to her. So, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of times Bean will decide the kind of person that she feels would, would best fit for the whoever the new injury is. And she'll call me in any day of the week and say, hey, I got somebody you willing to spend a minute or two? And absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't I? So you're, you're kind of like a... Uh, I don't want to say matchmaker, but matchmaker. Yeah, I mean, in a way, right? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, disabilities don't discriminate. Right. So we get people from every walk of life, every color, every size, every socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. And so people resonate with different types of people, which is also something I think that people are going to like about the show is there's different. We're really different. We're a very diverse cast or group of friends. And so there's always somebody to relate to. So I try to match up these newly injured people with somebody whose personality that they're going to mesh well with. Right. Because if you put somebody really conservative with somebody who's not there, I mean, if your personalities don't get along, they're not going to learn from that. Any kind of like mentorship there. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to before I forget. So here we are arguing over snow removal. If you want to have a conversation we won't argue about, let's talk about disabled parking. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand it anymore. Yep. I am literally done with society. You know, people ripping into a disabled parking spot for five seconds. Yeah. Or better yet, not recognizing some of our vehicles. You know, I have a side entry van. So my ramp comes out a minimum of four and a half feet. Well, it doesn't mean that I jump off at four and a half feet. I have another four feet of scooter that has to come out on top of that. So people that park right up against other people's vehicles when it's in a disabled parking spot you know those stalls need to be big enough to allow for this and you know i'm just tired of it i i can tell you some of the bad things i've done to people uh for <laughs> yeah, parking I mean, if you want to treat parking this like spot. a confessional that's okay uh yeah you know i've hooked chains i used to drive a dodge ram dually when i did snore removal and i had a kid be a smart ass to me and park in a parking spot and he went into the store and I hooked two chains to his axle and dragged his vehicle across the parking <laughs> lot. And when he came out, flipped in the 
bird and drove off. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, I yeah. really don't have a – I am not scared to jump in anybody's face over it. But it right. is the biggest load of bullshit mm -hmm. that we can talk about for people with disabilities. And that's a common thing? Every day. Yeah. I man. could literally put you in my vehicle right yeah. now, and I swear to God, in five minutes, I will find some idiot parked in a disabled parking yeah. spot with no respect for anybody else. Mm -hmm. Huh. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> it's so <laughs> annoying. It is. And these food delivery people are the worst. Go They're on. The worst ones. Door oh, Dash, I see what you're Uber saying. Eats. Like taking up the taking up the spot. Yeah. Or Prime. Yeah. Oh. Well, because it's right there, right? Yeah. It's right there. People, like you said, five minutes, five seconds. What are the chances that someone with a disability is actually going to show up in that moment? And yet, there you are. There we well, are. And I have a lot of people that sit in the spot. So my favorite is I always go up and I look in the window and I'm yeah. like to make it look like I'm really looking in their car and wait till they roll the window down. Yeah. And then I apologize and I tell them that, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot that stupid and ignorance is a disability. And then I just wheel <laughs> into the place. That's my new one. Yeah, I think you might wind up getting your own talk show as a result of this. Are you, are you prepared for what might come as a result of this? Uh, you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. I know, I, to be totally honest, I'm expecting to get a lot of feedback, rougher feedback than most. Rougher feedback? Yeah. Feedback. That's yeah. the nicest. Oh, I'm getting yeah. some feedback yeah. right now. I really don't give a shit, though. Did you it's going to go in the delete column. As a guy getting into construction, yeah. uh, did you have to, like, do, do, do they just, you know, treat, treat you like one of the fellas or did you have to advocate for yourself and no, so and, i've done so i did auto body for eight years uh repainting bumpers and fenders yeah. and i've done construction and the way i got both jobs was um one was through a friend but when the boss came over and said well what are you capable of doing yeah i said i have no idea i said but tell you what i'll make a deal with you uh, i'll donate a month of time and within that month, if you feel that I'm no, not going to fit or it's not going to work for the company, let me know and we'll, we'll go our separate ways. The auto body company, I had the job within two weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, construction, I mean, I grew, grew up with the guy, but uh, he gave it a solid three weeks. And uh, yeah, I started residential grading for him and became his uh, field supervisor within him probably a year I but think. i just love i mean you first of all you do such a great job of, of painting pictures with your words but i mean you know i'm envisioning you rolling up in your own in your dually right you get out like you said in a foot and a half of snow you unload the skid steer you get into the skid steer you clear the snow you load it back up you're off to your next job yeah and and i would I, and i think of like what a powerful message that would send to to be honest like just mm -hmm. to say it uh to a lot of employers or, or members of the general public that that might sort of assume that because you're in a chair that you might not be capable of doing things you are capable of doing. And mm -hmm. that's why, I mean, I think that this show obviously will go a long way. You, I mean, you're nodding like you probably have had this experience, you know, in, in yeah. pretty common ways or at least seeing, you know, your fellow wheelie peeps making those same moves, mm -hmm. I, I guess, really advancing uh, industry and advancing opportunities, opening doors for people that otherwise might have them closed in their faces. For sure. We get underestimated all the time mm. because people think, oh, well, your legs don't work. That means mean you're not smart and you can't do anything. You need help with everything. That's one of the big stereotypes is that we need help with everything. But you'll see after watching the show, yeah, we need help with some stuff, but like we can do almost anything that we want to do and anybody can do anything they want to do. You just have to want to do it and be willing to try. And are you going to do it perfectly the first time? Absolutely not. Are you going to fail? Probably. 
right? But then like you just keep trying and keep going. Like the first time you transferred into a skid skier, how how did that go? Like how did Yeah, you, that wasn't pretty. Right? Yeah, you had to no, figure out where yeah. to transfer, where yeah. to put your hands, where to put your butt, where are you going to put mm, your wheelchair? Like it's right. all a process. And if employers are listening to this or watching the show, I want them to see that we're not just invalids. We're not just, like I said in the trailer, we're not sure shit, not here to be pitied. We don't want your damn pity, man. Mm. We want respect. Uh, this is great. People are like losing it in the live chat right now, which is awesome. The people are like demanding merch. They want to buy Wheelie Peeps t-shirts. I mean, you know, uh, Ken, this is a great comment from Ken who says, what an important addition to the ongoing discussion about bike lanes. Uh, he says, it's not only cyclists that benefit from bike lanes that's oh, an interesting really? angle interesting because two years ago one of my friends who uses a power chair and has a guide dog who lives downtown was in a bike lane because it was cleared of snow and the sidewalks were not and she yeah. got pulled over by a cop what she was given a warning come on yep no yep and she's the cop said you're in a bike lane and you're not in a bike and she said, he said, you should be on the sidewalk. And then she looked at the sidewalk and she's like, well, look at the sidewalk. It's covered in snow and ice. And you know, it's been rutted, like stepped on and stuff, right? So how do you drive a wheelchair on that? And he said, that's not my issue. My issue is this is a bike lane and you're not in a bike. Oh. And he gave her a warning. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, let's get EPS on board with uh, letting wheelchair users use bike lanes if bike lanes are going to get cleared multiple times instead of sidewalks. I don't even know what to say right now. I've already, I've told this to EPS. I get to talk to EPS like rookies and stuff every wow. couple times a year. And this is, I say this story every time. Wow. <clears throat> what's another story that would blow people's minds? What's, what's another situation that you've heard about uh, relating to somebody in a chair? Uh, that, that, I mean, is there, you look like maybe there's not a one, one that's occurring to you right now, but I'm still processing what you just told me. Yeah. It's, it's just like, like I'm like, I'm like, want to go right now. Like, what was this badge number? Like, I, I feel like we I need know. to blow. How long ago was this? Like, this needs to be a major news story. That's outrageous. It was outrageous. But we get discriminated against all the time, all the time. We get underestimated all the time. And it's just like, it's so annoying because we're like, we're people, many of us are highly educated. Many of us are very successful. But like, we still get treated like, oh, you poor thing. You just must need help with everything. Well, and then the other thing too is when you do talk up, now you're the angry group. Yeah. And it's like, you know what, man? I'm not angry. You just pissed me off. You're, you're the idiot, you know, but the people are so self-righteous in their thought process that, you know, it's, it's tough to, uh, tough to beat that down. And I think in the show, you're going to see all different things that are going to come up where people are going to go, shit, I never really thought of that yeah. and mm -hmm. be like, yeah, you didn't. So the next time, maybe give it a little thought thing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and just kind of go that way. Yeah. You're talking, I want to ask you about the anger thing. Yeah. Cause, cause. I mean, right around the time of your injury, you just got this beaming smile across your face when I asked you about it. But you, you shared about, uh, and I'm not making light of it, but you shared right after your injury, you said you had a couple of years where you found yourself drinking heavily. Yeah. Uh, you know, your parents had to sort of adjust the relationship and ask you to leave for a while. That's true. Uh, is that relationship back on track? Oh, of course. Yeah. My mom, two proudest parents you'll ever meet Aww, in your damn life. And No wonder. Know, I, I couldn't have asked for, I wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for that, that, that specific decision. Yeah. I don't think I ever would have became the man I am. Today. Did you have to, did you have to, was it, was it like, uh, gosh, I just cut right to the chase. Uh, did, did you, was it, you were feeling sorry for yourself? Was it that you were devastated because you, you lost your mobility? You, what you were used to, obviously an active guy was, did, did you, did you grapple with or wrestle with anger? I mean, how, yeah, how, do, you, it, how do you navigate that? It is so many things. I mean, I was a baseball player, uh, 
you know, making my way very successfully. Yeah. So that was tough to let go of. And again, you're 17 and we're not talking about 2020 where inclusivity is a, is a big conversation. Mm -hmm. We're talking about 1995, you know, and mm -hmm. back in 95 where there's no Facebook and no, no way to contact people to find out answers. So it's a, it's a, it was a much more alone time I feel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the anger, I mean, I just couldn't get over it. I was just pissed nonstop because now, like Bean said, you know, you're pissing and you're shitting yourself. You're constantly wet and you're, you know, paralyzed at 17 by 18, you know, now we're going to the bar. Well, how is that going to become attractive? And, you know, I'm this, that, and the other. Luckily, that's, the chair's actually a chick magnet. So, <laughs> so. But uh, you have a bit of a different setup. You're in a scooter. Yeah. So what happened was uh, this last February, I found out that I've got bursitis in both arms and tore oh, okay. a tendon in my left shoulder. And to the point where I'm not even allowed to work anymore. <clears throat> um, pushing a manual chair. If I were to push that chair for about 15 minutes, I'd be in quite a bit of pain. Okay. Because mm -hmm. so you're pretty jacked to, there, bud. Uh, thank yeah. you. Know, your, your arms it. look like my legs. Yeah, well, I've spent 27 years of hauling this fat ass around, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, hopping in and out of hose, skid steers, trucks. Like, I've put the weight, put the muscle into it. Yeah. But anyways, they told me to get into a power mobility device. And, yeah, I kind of dig the scooter more. I'm a hell of a good driver. So, yeah, yeah the mm -hmm. scooter works just fine for me uh, my cousin's in a chair uh and he, he lives with ms and um he's uh i'm gonna start crying when i talk about it we went to uh an oilers game a while ago and you know they always say in the, in the rink i don't know it's like just hitting me it's just like walloping me as we talk i love them so much um but you know they say you know for the national anthem they say please stand if you're able mm -hmm. right and he's always like for many years and we would even when i was working for the team i would swing by uh, his his seats and uh you know the area where he would watch the game and we we have the anthem together we'd experience that before i went to work mm -hmm. you know t-shirt tosses and the like mm -hmm. and uh, and he would always be sitting obviously and everyone else would stand and he just got this new chair it's balling like it's under i think this thing's like 30 or 40 grand i mean mm -hmm. it's unbelievable but it rises up and so now when the national anthem he rises mm -hmm. up and there he is six feet tall for the national anthem and i just like the first time i saw it you can tell yeah. the impact it had on me and it was just like it's just this one tiny thing yeah um but when it comes to like dignity yeah. or when it comes to that sort of inclusive idea or mm -hmm. what it allows him to do to be at eye level with everybody else mm -hmm. during a national anthem i mean it's just remarkable are yeah. you seeing in, in in your decade long journey now mm -hmm. have you seen society evolve technology evolve or things i mean obviously this is also we should mention your business so you're still doing ryu right yeah of course yeah. you know the, the the paralysis recovery center which mm -hmm. is i mean obviously we refer to you as an entrepreneur this is a, a big part of it people can check out ryu.ca that's r-e-y-u uh, .ca. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've really seen, I would imagine, a lot of innovation on that front. For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely been a lot more inclusion, um, but we still have a long ways to go yeah. in that, in like in reality. Right. I mean, when people are talking, talking is one thing. Yeah. Actions are vastly different. Mm. Other thing. Right. So a lot of companies are using equal opportunity employer as a great marketing tactic. DEI this, DEI that. It's great marketing. But <clears throat> when it comes down to it, is there, are you actually are you actually hiring people with disabilities or not? Right. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's uh, like the story you shared is those little things that really make a big difference in the quality of life. Mm. Right. Being able to stand up and even just so somebody's saying stand up if you are able. Yeah. Right. I've been to so many like events and stuff where they don't say that everybody stand up, everybody on your feet. Yeah. 
And it's just like, just add the words if you can, if yeah. you're able, yeah. <laughs> right? Because that, and that makes me feel included, ah. right? Just like, like I'm a recovering alcoholic. Um, so when I go out drinking or with my friends and stuff, I usually get wine or Coke in a wine glass because then that makes me feel included. Sure. Right? So same kind of thing. Just, you know, make sure your actions match your words because talk is cheap. Mm. What an opportunity for the two of you and for your fellow wheelie peeps to just yeah. like school the nation, yeah. right? I feel like everybody's going to be on this learning journey <laughs> yeah. and it's going to be impossible for people to ignore this show with you two involved, you know? Uh, yeah. 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 I think we're a little louder <laughs> than the most. Yeah, for sure. Which is absolutely yeah. amazing. Well, I'm super excited. And, and I mean, I, I feel like we're tight enough for me to say I'm really proud of you. you. I mean, I feel like this is this has kind of been a long time coming. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. I just can't even believe that it's here. Like this this week is actually happening. This is actually happening. Yeah, it's felt like it was so far away. And <clears throat> what's so funny is just like we're just regular people. Right. And that's what we want people to understand is we're just regular people who have disabilities and Within our friend group, I mean, we love messing around with able-bodied people because it's so fun, Yeah. right? And like we do a lot of it in the show. And I think that's what's going to be that big impact of people actually understanding and learning about people life, like life with a disability. Yeah, I love it. Are are you guys doing something special for launch on Friday? You guys getting together? Are you just going to... Watch at home, pop some popcorn. What's the plan? We're having a party tomorrow, a launch party tomorrow, pre-event. And then, yeah, we'll all be at home. Open to the public or no? Is it a private affair? Uh, It's a private affair. You you don't want us to blast (laughs) it out and invite everybody? Okay. (laughs) Well, let me say this. Uh, People can watch Push uh, starting on Friday. That's February 24th. Uh, on CBC or CBC Gem. You can watch it uh, live Fridays, uh, Friday evening. Check your local listings, obviously. And uh, when's the last time I said that? And uh, you can catch it on CBC Gem as well starting February 24th. You can download the CBC Gem app from Apple's App Store or Google Play, or you can watch it in your browser. Just Google Push on CBC. Uh, We've been hanging out with... uh, I love this foul mouth former ba- former bad boy. I don't know where the former yeah, is. Like, I, when, I think. Well, like, are you? You look personally offended at the word former. I, I'm very offended because we can go all back and I'll show you how bad boy I am. Well, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means. No, I don't. I think Victoria came into my life and they think I'm kind of refined. So you're settling. You're, settle, you're you know, yeah, yeah, she's a rough. She's, she's, a, she's sanding down the edges. She's sanding the edges, yeah. but people don't realize she's trying to use a paper to sand with so there's a long way to go absolutely hilarious my face hurts from smiling right now that's brian mcpherson and bean gill two of the stars of push thank you for joining us on this episode of the best of real talk we hope you're feeling inspired and encouraged that'll continue tomorrow when we reconnect with lauren kennedy west and justin bourne What does it mean to live well in the face of schizophrenia, alcoholism, and other challenges that can stand in the way of healthy relationships? We'll see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. 
Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. Oh,